This is Broke No More, a podcast where we talk about making financial decisions that shape a just, humane, and sustainable world. Hi, I am the person who thinks of buying e-scooter, Z. And this is L, your new Bokashi buddy. Hello, L. For this week's episode, and the episode that I am so excited about, we will talk about healthy money habits. Yes, and for now, we are still joined by Pam Carrera. She is a clinician in training, currently an MA student specializing in clinical psychology at the University of the Philippines, Diliman. So Pam joined us for the last two episodes, and we're very blessed uh, with Pam with us because we're learning a lot of things about our brain and about how it works and how we can hack our brain. So hello, Pam. Hey, everyone. Thanks for having me again. Nice to see you after one week. (laughs) So if you have not joined us last week, Pam told us about happiness and fulfillment. And today, she will help us dig a little deeper about healthy money habits. Okay, so personally, we have toxic money habits wherein we just uh, we have bad financial decisions and we do it repeatedly. That's why it became toxic because we, we know that it's bad for us, but somehow, or maybe we don't know or we don't acknowledge the fact it's bad for our finances, but we still continue to do so. So for example, of a toxic money habit would be... um spending or buying an item you see online but then not really thinking about the the use or how will you use it where would it go in your house would you really use it and would it be helpful for you to achieve happiness or for you to fulfill some of your needs so that's just an example of a toxic bunny habit and um to start Pam, can you tell us more about how do we overcome past habits? Okay, so El, you said it right that some people are not aware that they are spending this much amount of money over some stuff that can be useless or not really appropriate. So the first step is really having that awareness and building that awareness that um, this is how you're spending your finances. This is how you're managing your finances. What are the pros and cons of how you're managing them right now? So it's really trying to be reflective again on it, trying to be self-reflective, adopting a stance of, I guess, curiosity. Curiosity if what you're doing is optimal considering your own capacity. So you're trying to weigh what are the outcomes of what you're doing. So the first step is really trying to build that awareness and acknowledging that maybe there's something wrong with what I'm doing. Especially if it's really a toxic behavior, a toxic habit. Actually, it's not just uh, applicable to spending or to money habits, but to behavior in general. Is to really find that awareness if what you're doing is adaptive or it's maladaptive. So first step is trying to stay aware and be present about how you are right now and how are your finances affected by your behavior. So when it it's a habit. It will take time to overcome. Because you said it's really habituated. You, fre- you have frequently done this. And our brain tends to do the things automatically. Or we, we're used to doing things fast and quick. So when we have our habits, uh, we tend to fall back on it. Because it's what you're used to. It's what you've learned throughout the years. So changing that really takes a lot of effort. Takes first, again, awareness. And then secondly, it's acknowledging that you have a problem. 
So you're aware that you have a problem. Secondly, you need to acknowledge it, that you have to change. Because that's really what's important to plan out how you can change your behavior is awareness and acknowledgement that there's a problem and, or that there's a need to change. You have that awareness, you have that acknowledgement. Third, you need to have that willingness. You need to have that motivation to change. You have to see what are my reasons for wanting to change my behavior or wanting to change my toxic behavior with money. So again, it comes with reflection. It comes with introspection. Um, a good way is really to journal, to talk um, about it with friends, and finding that uh, reason. It can be a very shallow reason, but I suggest that you have to find that a deeper reason for it all so that you ha- would have that commitment to change. Because that's, I think that's the fourth thing that you have to do is trying to stay committed. So, right, you're aware, you're, you acknowledge, and you're willing to change. Now, you have to stay committed to changing. You have to stay committed to what do I commit to trying to alter how I see money, how I view money. It's through those factors that you can see a change in behavior. But you also have to acknowledge that uh, changing habits can take some time. It will be slow. You have to be careful. Um, you need to have a plan. The key is to take it slow, to do it uh, little by little. So you won't be shocked by that change and you would be discouraged if you're not committed to it or or it's not lasting. So I guess it's um what's also an important skill amidst this all is how do you identify your triggers? So you're already aware, you're you're already committed to change. So how then do you really change your behavior? So first is really identifying what triggers my spending. Again, reflection, introspection. See if there's a pattern. If, for example, you usually buy stuff after a fight or after you feel very emotional, what does that say about the function of the spending? Because our behavior has functions. So it can be a way for avoidance. It can be a way to to fulfill our happiness or pleasure. So you have to see, what's the function of my spending? Is it really to fulfill something that I need, something that I want? Or is it a way for me to avoid something that's painful or something that can help me cope with my current emotional experiences? It's also applicable not just for spending, not just for spending addiction or toxic behavior with spending, but also addiction, um, how we cope emotionally, that could be harmful. So you have to identify what are my triggers? Um, why do I spend this much when I experience this? Um, for example, like from a personal experience recently, um, I've been spending a lot as well because I've been overly stressed with work and with the pandemic. So with that, I have to identify what was the purpose of my spending? Why was I spending this much? So by being reflective on your triggers, can help you change how you respond to your emotions because our spending and how we view money as a source of pleasure can be explained by what are my emotional experiences at the moment and what's the function of why do I spend this much. Yeah, perhaps I, I can relate to that. Like when identifying my triggers, um, there was a time when I was transitioning to be a, a vegan as you know, so to be more plant-based. And I I just buy everything I see that is vegan because I'm so afraid that 
if I don't have um like a vegan ready to eat item on my fridge or in the pantry, I'm going to eat meat or I'm going to return back to buying fast food. So that's a way for me to uh to know that I'm avoid maybe I'm escaping the fact that that I'm so I know vulnerable <laughs> or not yet <laughs> not ready to give yes. up meat. So at a certain point, I just um try to um take it slowly like. Uh, I, I use percentages to to manage or to set my goals. Like start with fifty percent plant based, then seventy percent. Right now, I think I'm mostly at ninety percent plant based, which wow. is uh, which is my target for the year. So I hope I stay on track uh, with that ninety um, percent um, plant based. Yeah, on my part about the triggers, right? I think my roommate told me once that I'm very impulsive. And so just yesterday, I found out the reason why I buy immediately and about my spending. It's because if I want it, I buy it. <laughs> what is the explanation of that? I don't know as well. Maybe Pam can help me explain why whenever I wanted it, I, I buy it immediately. Well, you you shared a few weeks ago, right? That you were spoiled as a child. Ah, so, okay. Right. So going back to that. Uh, you learned how to do things or to achieve things quickly or to gratify your needs immediately because you were spoiled. Like all your needs were already met um, immediately. Am I correct? Is it does it resonate with you, Z? Right. So that can that can explain that if you were spoiled as a child, your needs were immediately gratified. You may develop that impulsiveness to buy things, to do things immediately. Also, if anyone in your family is also impulsive, again that can be genetically inherited. So you you can also reflect on what is the personality of my parents, like what's the buying pattern of my siblings, because that also has an impact on your impulsiveness. Because uh, my dad mm. is also impulsive. So. Right. Mm. So what can I do about that? I'm sorry, this is just becoming like a therapy it's, bec- it's becoming a therapy session. Yeah. <laughs> what can I do about it? <laughs> well, right. So you have to take it slow, reflect. So you, now you know that maybe it's genetically, maybe it's biology. So you may be predisposed to being impulsive, you may be predisposed or you may have a tendency to really be impulsive. So it's trying to stay mindful when you're buying, which I guess we can when you when you want to overcome again your buying habit, it's trying to take a moment to stop and then take a step back and then reflect, do I really need this? What's the purpose of this? So I read something that if you want to buy something, try to delay it for one week and see if you still wanted to buy it. That's the reason why now I'm more conscious of my buying and yes. to be more careful. Yes, because uh, we're also curious about how important are supportive relationships in changing our money habits? Right. So supportive relationships are actually important. I guess we discussed right how could be staying connected, how quality relationships can contribute to our well-being. So at the same time, having that kind of support, um, knowing your expectations or priorities with money can help you manage your finances. So for example, when you're in a relationship and you have, maybe you have a toxic behavior, you have a toxic relationship with money, 
having a supportive relationship where the other person is aware of your problem can help you manage that because they can motivate you to change because that's also important in overcoming a habit is what is my social support who can i trust to help me in changing or overcoming a habit because again when it comes to habits these are already automatic these are already things that you've learned through time so it's important there's also an outside person that can help you stay on track so supportive relationships are really important because they help you set your expectations they help you prioritize and what's important is really also the communication so when you set your goals um when you have similar goals when it comes to money you can communicate well with them and it will lessen that conflict when it comes to how you you manage your finances so having those kinds of relationships can help you change how you view money um especially if it's someone that you think has a different perspective on it because for example if it's someone who is similar with you when it comes to being impulsive having difficulty with self control it's hard to change because that's the context that you're surrounded by you don't see a conflicting or a different side of why do you need to have different goals when it comes to your finances so having a supportive relationship does not only entail pushing you to stay motivated with your goal but also looking at a different perspective on why you should change or why you should um, manage your finances differently. Yeah, so we really encourage uh, everyone, all our listeners, to find someone to listen uh, with the podcast so that they'll be able to check or make each other accountable. Because as, as we said in our first episode, CNI, it, this podcast is a form of accountability on our side to really push through this and to really manage our finances well while um, creating the kind of world that we want through our own spending. Mm-hmm. Now, Pam, can you explain to us how does our brain work when we are thinking about short-term and long-term effects? Because, for example, uh, when we start to build, let's say, an emergency fund or a savings, we sort of look at it in the short-term aspect, not really on the long-term. That's why mm-hmm. most of young people right now they don't have savings or emergency fund to help them when there's a crisis for example you do search up or things like that so mm-hmm. how does it in our brain like the short term versus long term thinking mm-hmm. so actually that framework is something that Z and I actually learned in when during our market research days i guess 2 years ago so the framework that we were um, immersed on is the system 1 and system 2 thinking of the brain So this one is most researched by Daniel Kahneman and, and was discussed in a book called Thinking Fast and Slow. So I encourage you to read that. It's really very insightful as well on um how you use your intuition, how you use your reflection to make decisions. So going back, um system 1 and system 2 thinking, it helps explain why we have that gut reaction or why we want to think short term. So system 1 is defined as the more intuitive, the more automatic way of thinking and making decisions. So our system 1 brain is uh forms our first impressions. Um it's the reason why we want to jump into conclusions because it's easier. We already have these set of associations. So it's just a manner of activating them. And when you're making decision, it's easier, right? To go to that automatic way of thinking. And on the other hand there's a system to 
system of uh, making decisions. So system two is the analytical, it's the critical thinking, um, it's the more rational, it's the way of uh, making decisions in a more rational, in a more problem-solving um, manner. So you get to analyze and you get to think more about it. As humans, we tend to think that we're al- always utilizing our system to thinking. But in reality, uh, our brain, it takes a lot of effort to think critically. So our brain would tend to think automatically and would be more uh, concerned with the short term. So in the same way that, for example, when we think about funds, when we think about finances, it's easier to think about what do I want to spend tomorrow? Uh, what do I want to do in the next few weeks? Instead of thinking long term, because you will spend more effort in thinking about it, in planning ahead. So the default is, what do you want to do today? Because it's easier for our brain to think about instead of utilizing that side that's more into critical thinking or more into the analysis. Uh, by looking at it in that way, we see how people can become impulsive as well. We, we see how they can have difficulty with self-control if they haven't learned how to utilize both systems effectively, if they were only used to um, accessing that system one thinking. And what's also important, aside from the brain and the cognitive functions, is also really the knowledge and awareness. Because when we talk about emergency funds, it's not something that people know already. Like, for example, uh, when you talk to lay people, they don't immediately know what emergency funds are. So that's where the financial literacy, the education comes in. Because we don't know, they don't know what's it about. They don't know that it's really important to, to have that, right? to manage your funds, your emergency funds, have some kind of investment. Again, it also talks about the social class, the economic inequality, and the lack of education. So aside from how our brain thinks, how we want to do things automatically quickly, it's also the lack of awareness and the lack of knowledge. Yeah, so another example perhaps of this when it comes to green financial literacy is um, using uh, reusables instead of disposables, like for example, the plastic bottle. Short term, for example, you're outside and you really need to drink, then of course you would need your own um, plastic bottles. But then if you've th- um, thought about it long term, you'll be able to save more money because a plastic bottle will cost you 20 to 30 pesos. So imagine every time you go out, it's added 20 to 30 pesos versus if you just brought your own bottle container, which you can use to refill in most uh, restaurants. They, they won't charge you for that. You can even get cold water. So another example of short term, the benefits of thinking long term, right? Yes. So um, in our case, Pam and I, the, the background that we have on the system one and system two, right? It was more on advertisements. We always use system one and system two. And I remember the days, I remember the months so well when, when they always tell us to always think about the consumers when they see ads. So the next question is going to be about the system one and the system two and advertisements. What happens to our brain whenever we see ads? Actually, our work in market research was very insightful. Uh, I learned a lot about how they capitalize on that thinking, that system one thinking. Because through advertisement, you build associations. And through our research back in the day, we think about what are the needs of the people. 
So it's really very psychological the way marketing works because you target the needs. Um, you want to know what are the associations that people value. What do they find meaning? Um, what is more salient? So by capitalizing on that, uh, you get consumers to buy your product because you build associations. So with advertisement, um, and it, we see it a lot. We see it when we're watching YouTube videos. We see it in everything. So it's it's important to be careful that these advertisements, again, build our associations with the brand that they advertise. Um, they also affect what we value and what we think we need. The important thing is the perception of need and the perception of value of the product. So because through advertisement, they communicate that you need this, that you want this. You have to be careful when you're watching advertisements and how they translate to your spending habit because a lot of the advertisements really target our system one thinking. Through constant um, exposure to those ads, you build associations free time. And then with the campaigns, they target what's meaningful for you, what's valuable for you as their consumer. So you really tend to build that need, the perception of need for that product. When it comes to advertisements, you really have to find a way to be careful how you associate your needs to a certain brand or to a certain product because the communications really have an effect on how we see that because they build associations and they communicate value for us. So fam, um, since a lot of capitalists devote a lot of money in order to trick us right. to buying certain goods that we don't, we don't really need, um, what are your tips for overcoming this aside from just being mindful of or acknowledging that these advertisements are forcing you or influencing your thoughts. So how how do mm. you think we should we can overcome these external uh, advertisements? Mm. So external advertisements are really there. Like sometimes it's really unavoidable that they do uh, influence us. So you're right. Um, the first thing is really mindfulness and being aware that they have an effect on us. Um, secondly, it's trying to think more critically. Like, for example, when, you're, when you sense that you need this or that you want this product, again, reflect, do I really need this? What's the purpose of this? Um, why do I think I need this? Because the advertisements really build the associations. So you have to, to take a step back and think about what are my needs at the present moment and what does that say about why do I need to buy this product. So aside from mindfulness, it's being effortful in your planning. Or maybe tracking actually can help. So tracking what you buy and what the purpose of your of that material is. So at the same time, like for example, in my therapy work, um, we track our thoughts and what are the the purposes or the of the beliefs in our emotions. So we can translate that in terms of um, these are what I buy. Um, what thoughts are associated to my spending? Again, what emotions do I feel when I spend this? What's the value of it for me? Because when you tend to think about things in such a deep level, in such a very in a very introspective and reflective way, you see um, you see that it's not just you see the reasons why you want this. Or what's the value of it for you? Tracking can help. Tracking your expenses, tracking what you buy 
can help you um, be aware and acknowledge that maybe these uh, materials are not needed. The way I consume is um, can change because you're able to see your patterns. So mindfulness, being aware, tracking your spending can help us um, overcome how we are tricked by ads. Yeah, yeah, and another good way, Z, right, is to um like reclaim that advertisement system by advertising brands that you support. Maybe you have a friend who makes this kind of stuff, and um, you can support it by posting it in your channel as a way to rebel against. The, the manipulative <laughs> capitalist <laughs> advertisements that we see. At least we try to go for um, local or more eco-friendly products and to also support the businesses of our friends who mostly are practicing sustainable um, business practices, right, Z? Exactly. So um, I think Pam also mentioned that in the market research, it's... I've We've been exposed to a lot of things. We've been exposed to how we use neuroscience and even psychology right. to, to selling and even increasing the score of the ads to make sure that you will become predisposed whenever you go to the stores. So even though I know and I am aware of that and I am from the market research, I still buy those stuff. And it is hard for me. Um, whenever Pam speaks about it earlier, I understand. Yes. Thank you so much for those stuff. I've been learning a lot. And even though I'm aware of it, I'm still learning, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, before we go to the quick fire questions, um, Elle, can you recap this episode? Okay. So today's episode, we learn about the value of build, building awareness on our spending, on checking our triggers. So if you want help on how to track our expenses, you can listen to episode two of the Broke No More podcast. We've explained there how we track our own um, cash flow, the, the income, and then the expenses. And then the second main point that was discussed was to seek to share your Broke No More journey with another person as it will really help you stay committed and on, to be on track. And lastly would be to be mindful of how you think. So you need to apply the, the system two, if I'm, if I'm not mistaken, right? System two or the critical thinking um, part of, of how you process things and not just the systems one, which is more um, easily manipulated by advertisement. So you need to go beyond uh, what you see and really look inside on what you need and what can make you happy. Okay, so Z. Let's start. Um, Pam, are you ready for our quick fire with our guests? So these are just short phrases that we want you to complete or we want you to answer. So uh, feel okay. free to give your answer. <laughs> okay. All right. So first question is, um, green financial literacy is black. Green financial literacy is valuable. Um, I think that learning how to manage your finances well and tracking them and being knowledgeable can really help in trying to build that a capacity and being empowered over your finances. The next one is, what is the best sustainable switch or maybe decision that you made? Oh, sustainable. I guess um, trying to stay mindful actually. Being my, I've learned how to uh, be mindful of what I buy 
um, because I've been practicing mindfulness. So if you've not, if you have, if you're not aware of mindfulness as a practice, um, you can try it. Um, you can use meditation or yoga. You can use breathing exercises. It's a way for you to stay present, to stay present in the moment. So you you won't be impulsive or you would have more self control. So I guess <laughs> yes, D is nodding. So I guess that uh, practicing mindfulness helps helps me to stay in control over my finances. So I know where I can spend or not spend because I stay connected to the present moment. And if I need to and evaluate if I really need this or if I really want this. Okay, next question is, is there a sustainable switch that you are looking forward to? Oh, actually, I'm really interested to try uh, vegan. Uh, yeah, I think because I'm really, I love meat. I'm a meat eater. But it's something that I also want to look into because I love animals. So I guess if I want to, it's something in my radar of switching to vegetarian, to veganism. Okay, so I'll add you in some Facebook groups <laughs> so that okay. you can have more information on being vegan. Okay, so the next one. Um, what is your current favorite organization or company? Uh, oh, I love UPD PsychServe. So it's the... Uh, it's the department that I'm working on. Uh, it, it provides brief psychotherapy sessions for students. So I love how we are able to address uh, the mental health of students as well as we offer the services outside. There are actually people affected by the pandemic, whether you're PUI or PUM or you were diagnosed with COVID. You can avail the service. So um, is there a sustainable sustainability hero or inspiration that you... Um, look up to uh right now honestly i'm not so sure i don't know any like thought leaders but it's something that i can that i want to know more about and if you can suggest anyone because right now it's just you l and z <laughs> that are my, that the people i look up to who wants to be accountable because i really like um I really like the, the rationale for this podcast is also the way for you to be accountable for your own spending, for your own finances. Wow, well, thank you, Pam, for that. And for now, aside from UP PsychServe, um, what are your recommended must-follow on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook? Okay, I don't have an Instagram. Okay. And then on Twitter, this is so embarrassing, but please follow BTS. <laughs> <laughs> It's, it's it's my it's my silver lining in this pandemic. <laughs> Please stream dynamite. <laughs> All right. The next question is: What is your must read book? Must read book. Uh, I love the Bell Jar by Sylvia Plath. So it's one of the the prompts for uh, why I wanted to pursue psychology. So it's about uh, a woman's journey through depression to other mental health. Oh, very interesting. Um, how about your must-watch movie or documentary? Must-watch documentary. It's also again related to why I wanted to pursue psychology. Uh, I love the eternal sunshine of the spotless mind. So it's more of the cognitive side of the relationship, like the memory. Uh, it's really interesting. It's also a romantic movie, but also psychological. And lastly, what is the memory that keeps you going? Memory that keeps me going. Hmm. Maybe it's traveling, like all the, the past 
the previous travels that I've had. Um, it's something that I'm looking forward to, like traveling again after this pandemic. So it's one of the things that really motivate me is to explore the world, to see the world, to experience other cultures. Just so you know, Pam, it was Laura's idea to make these questions. And it's like a slam book, right? It's so interesting to answer yeah. it. <laughs> like, okay. So, Laura, do you have any last words? Oh, I guess um, the most important thing that I learned um, with our three episodes with Pam is really the importance of knowing yourself and acknowledging your um, strengths and your lapses as well so that you can move forward towards a, a more mindful and thus authentic you. Exactly. Right. It also made me reflect about, you know, my relationships, my previous relationships with like my, my family, my parents, and even my relationship with my friends. So this is why I'm friends with you guys. Thank you so much for this insightful, you know, talk. And in the past three episodes, I learned a lot. So thank you for that, Pam. Thank you so much for, you know, allotting time in the past three weeks to join us, Pam. Sure. It's been a long time to record it. It was three weeks. <laughs> yes. Thank you so much. Pam, do you have any other last words to our listeners? Um, yeah, I guess thank you for listening. Uh, thank you also, Lara and Z, for the invite. Um, it really also made me reflect on my own standing and my own context because it's really important to reflect and look back, right? And not just that, but to pause. So take some time to pause and to breathe. Um, be more mindful of the present moment. And yeah, stay connected. Uh, try to learn more about yourself, even though it's sometimes hard or, or it can lead to vulnerability. Uh, it's really valuable to be more self-aware. All right. Thank you so much, Pam. Thank you so much to our listeners. Thank you for listening to Broke No More. You can reach us at Instagram at Broke No More GFL, Facebook at FB.com Broke No More GFL, or email us at Broke No More GFL at gmail.com. Remember to put our money where our heart is. Bye.